White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter. If you want to follow me there, Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill on Twitter, and our show, Locked On Sox, is there at Locked On Sox on YouTube, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Go to YouTube and follow us right now. We might be dropping this video. We might be dropping another one. Hit the notifications bell so you can know exactly when we do that. And for this segment, we got some voicemails. If you want to participate in the future, 312-566-8727 is the way you call our voicemail system. Paul, correct. Get them in earlier. (laughs) I know you're a bartender and you probably are working, but, you know, call in the middle of the game. Hell, take a break. 312-566-8727 is the way you get us there. And LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you send us an email without any further ado. Here's Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing fine, Herb. You know, it's episode 227 today, Herb, on a fun Friday. And uh, which, you Mary. know, yeah, you, you could be Jack Hay. I'll be I'll be Lester. I forgot a young Regina King was on that show. She's a multimedia superstar nowadays, mm-hmm. but she was uh, got her start on 227. So the thing about 227, Herb, is it's aged incredibly well when you compare it to uh, its uh it's contemporary in the Cosby show. You can watch 227 now and not have any uh, weird feelings like you do with the Cosby show. I don't know who on 227 our next guest James Fox would portray. Maybe it's Pearl. Let's bring him in now. It's James Fox. You can follow him on Twitter at JamesFox917. And uh, before we get to James, this episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked on Rooms. Locker Room. Changing the way we talk sports. We thought we would have a little mood lightener in the wake of the Albert Pujols signing to the White Sox news here, as I'm sure we'll wake up to that on Friday. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a just a, let's not talk about the big league club at all with all the drama this week. We thought a nice change of pace would be to talk about the minor league season finally opening up this week. And we're gonna bring on James Fox. He's a senior editor at Future Sox, also co-host of the Future Sox podcast, and you can also follow his work online at Southside Sox. James, what's going on today? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a fun, it's a fun week with uh, minor league baseball starting, so I have something else to do other than watch these White Sox games. I 100% agree. These games have been a little draining, and this week in, in particular has been very draining. But we're having you on to talk about this minor league season, and we haven't had a minor league season since 2019 because of COVID knocking out uh, of 2020. The first thing I want to ask you is not specifically about the players. I've always wondered why the White Sox base most of their facilities out there in North Carolina than the one in Alabama. Was there any conversation, and I know they did the Schaumburg thing this year and last year, any conversation of moving one of the facilities to Schaumburg or uh, a Kane County Cougars to you know, give a local fan a chance to see one of the rising stars of the White Sox system. 
So, you know, it's something that like over at Future Socks, obviously, like we were hoping for because we could just like station somebody like we could get somebody to go to every game. And, you know, we've done a better job this year of having like we found like college students in North Carolina that like want to cover it for us and they get their experience. So that's good. Um, but I, I didn't hear much of it I, when when it sounded like Kane County was going to be available. Um, we had asked and then it was like, no, nah, they're staying with the same affiliates for whatever reason. Reinsdorf likes those North Carolina affiliates. Um, I know the Sox like them next to each other, which makes sense. But you could argue that low A locally makes some sense because Arizona is closer to Illinois than it is to North Carolina. So, you know, that's like the next step. And then you could have the other ones like down in the South. But, you know, they've had Birmingham forever. Um, they're probably never going to leave Charlotte because that place, that place sells out pretty much every night. I mean, that's one of the... I guess that's like one of the rumor kits for the next like MLB market. So um, they love it there. Um, I think like getting out of Birmingham, like could help them personally. I mean, they have a long history there and Jordan played there and they play the Rickwood game and stuff, but man, that place is like impossible to hit. And like, if it, it's just like tough to develop some prospects there, you know, like unless you're Luis Robert or Aloy Jimenez, like everybody else has pretty much died there. So, you know, it, it's just not, that great of an environment. And then Winston is fine, but you, you know, you could do something there, but the, I think these are 10 year agreements. So I don't really see them moving anytime soon, even though it would be great. I had heard that in the past, and this won't surprise either of you, Reinsdorf was worried that, uh, you know, Kane County would outdraw the white Sox, And, and that's not a joke, by the way, like he had some irrational fears of like, you know, this can't like, you know, you can't draw 18,000 and then, you know, they have 12,000. Like, why aren't those 30,000 like at, you know, my ballpark? So there was some of that, you know, in like the early to mid 2000s. Oh, jeez! I, I thought you were going to go a different time frame there with that. But oh, God. Um, so, you know, you talk about the, the minor league season and missing the entire year with, with with COVID last year. And there's a lot of moving parts here. But one of the things we talked about before the show, you and I, James, is, you know, the 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 moving parts here. And the, the big story, I think, across the minor leagues, as we were talking about, was these assignments for a lot of these guys. Tell us about just the, the philosophy shift or I guess the necessity that the, the, these organizations have had to, to move with uh, after missing a year of COVID in terms of where these guys are being placed amongst these affiliates to start the season. Yeah, so we started getting word on where some of the guys were going like last week, and it seemed aggressive. We were expecting some, you know, because they got rid of the, the high rookie affiliate at Great Falls. So, and then the low rookie, I guess the Arizona league team doesn't start until like July. So a lot of guys are in Kannapolis that otherwise wouldn't have been. And that's a really fun team for, you know, people that have been following it. Um, they've been really active on Twitter, the Kannapolis cannonballers, you know, the names switched over, but a taught like we had 10 of our future Sox top 30 is there. So that team's really fun, but then, you know, some aggressive promotions on the other side, like Jake Berger's in Charlotte and Jake Berger hadn't played higher than, like low A, obviously didn't play baseball in three years. Um, I had a lot of people, even, you know, some media types that you guys know, like, you know, that were like Burger Charlotte, really? Like, it seems aggressive. But like, I just talked about Birmingham. Like, I think one of the worst things you could do is send him to Birmingham. And then if he stinks, like, like what are you going to, like, I would much rather send some of these guys to Charlotte, hope they catch lightning in a bottle. Like, you're trying to contend. Like, maybe you can trade somebody because of it. Like, Blake Rutherford's in that boat, too. Like there's no reason to watch Blake Rutherford try to hit in the double A, what used to be the Southern League, like ever again. Like see if you can suck some value out of him at Charlotte. So, but yeah, I mean the 
the promotions are, you know, a little bit intense, I guess, but I think it's like that for everybody. So the leagues are just going to be different. The issue with the Sox, like Getz likes to, you know, he has a lot of 4A type guys in Charlotte because they don't want to promote a prospect necessarily, like when they could just like have some journeyman veteran come in if it's going to be like a week or something. So you probably have less of those guys at some point, like as guys move through the system. But um, yeah, it seems it seems to be league a league wide trend um, that the teams, the affiliated teams, are just you know it's there's. I guess less advanced players, right? Like there's people in high A that definitely would not have been in high A yet, like in the past. So just real quick about Birmingham, you say it's a poor uh, hitters park. What makes uh, Birmingham a poor hitters park? So it's huge for one. Um, it's like really hard to like hit for power out of that place. But I mean, part of it's cause it's the double A park, right? Like double A pitching is hard to hit. It's the hardest level. So while you're dealing with that, you're also like hitting in, what some players like have described as a graveyard. Like if you look at Gavin sheets last year, like he did nothing for the entire first half. And then he rebounded. He hit 16 or in 19, I guess I should say he hit 16 homers and drove in 83. So that's where like, I was like, okay, like if you look at Gavin sheets numbers, they weren't great. But if you look at the second half, like that's super intriguing. And now he's like, you know, bashing the ball out of Charlotte, which is, you know, even better to see, but yeah, like it's just, I've, we've seen a lot of prospects that, Luis Gonzalez, a whole bunch of guys like go to high A and they're really good and we're really excited. And they go to Birmingham and it's like a 685 OPS, like in double A and part of it's the the ballpark. And part of it's, you know, a lot of guys don't get past double A because the pretenders like don't get past that level because it's really hard. The guy I want to focus on firstly is probably the guy that has the most upside in the White Sox system. I think at least. Is the high school guy they drafted a couple of years ago in Jared Kelly. Just turned 19 years old, and I think he made his professional debut the other day, a short uh, outing. But where do you see Jared Kelly? Right now, I think he's in Kannapolis. I know he's a couple of years away, but what do you think the White Sox are going to do with a guy who hasn't pitched in a couple, and he's 19 years old? Where do you think the White Sox are going to use him this year and uh, the upcoming years? So I think he's probably going to stay in Kannapolis for most of the year, but that's mostly just because like, it doesn't seem like many teams are going to be promoting guys like still due to like the COVID stuff. They don't want to like mix teams. I don't know if you guys looked at rosters at all, but there's like 17 or 18 pitchers per minor league team. Like it's mm. crazy. So um, Andrew Dahl was started the other night. Kelly started last night and they're like strict. Like I think he went less than 40 pitches and it was by design. Um, he got into some trouble defense, let him down. He's the best prospect in the system that isn't in the big leagues. So, you know, whenever those other names graduate off that list, Vaughn and, you know, Kopech still on there, like Jerry Kelly is going to be their number one prospect until probably they draft in July. And he might even still be that like he's got Jared Kelly could be like a front of the rotation starter, but it's a high school guy. He's an advanced high school guy because he's already like his body is already ready. Like usually high school guys take forever because you know they take three and a half years for their body to get right so he already had plus stuff plus command like he plus field a pitch i mean that was like a, a really good pick where they got him um so he's going to be there to, i think he's a top 100 prospect like this year at some point um i just think it's a matter of like how long he's here because if you know with the injuries they've had to the big league club like i don't really want to trade jared kelly right now but that's what everybody's going to ask for i would imagine and when you're trying to win you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, you might trade in three years from now for right now, or you might have to, but 
That's the that's definitely the right guy to ask about because he's he's their best guy other than the big four. And before, like, if we do, like, we're having some troubles with filling out our major league roster. And the only thing I am trepidatious about is four years down the line. It's like, God damn, we traded that guy. Is he going to be that guy? Do you project him to be, man, that's Max Freed when the Padres are like, oh, God, we gave away Max Freed. Damn it. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he's going to be pretty good. Like, I love Jared Kelly. Like, I don't want to, like, trade Jared Kelly to, like, get Brian Reynolds from the Pirates to fill in for Luis Robert, and then Brian Reynolds, like, isn't anything for you in the future, right? Now, if you're going to trade Jared Kelly for whatever, like, something huge at the deadline. Chris Bryant, let's say Chris Bryant, because I think that's the hot topic everyone's talking about, because that's a guy that can play multiple positions for you, and he would help considerably even after maybe you start to see some of these guys return from injury. Right. So that one's still a little tough for me because of the control. Like I mm-hmm. love Chris Bryant. Right. But like Jerry Reinsler's not going to sign Chris Bryant. So mm-hmm. that's where that's where the issue is for me. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Think of like, you know, like a guy like Corbin Burns, who they talked about this offseason, which I thought was kind of a pipe dream with the packages that I saw. I thought it was going to take a lot more than that. But a guy like Jared Kelly, like if they're going to move him, I would prefer they move him for something with control that can help you for years to come instead of like, a you know, you have to trade him to win right now because all your players are hurt type thing real quick or like James your what's your general philosophy on on that type of stuff for this year because I think even with the injuries the the White Sox still have a pretty good shot when you know when you can pitch the way they can you know are are you the, the type of person that says you know what Rick Hunter just keep his powder dry and not sacrifice too much uh, for a better shot to win this year especially with what we've seen from the twins early on and we don't know if what the Royals doing what they're doing is sustainable are you someone who's in the mindset of let's you know let's Let's just be cautious with this and not, try, you know, mortgage the future. Or are you someone who wants to sort of put the, the, you know, the chips all in the middle of the table here for a better shot to win a World Series this year? Yeah. So, like, I don't want to trade everything, obviously. But I said, like, I mean, we love prospects. But, like, when the Cubs were trading for Aroldis Chapman, like I said, like, I can't wait till the White Sox are doing that, you know, yeah. like trade a prospect for a guy to win a title. So, yeah, I mean, some stuff is probably short-sighted, right? Like, like we were just talking about Jared Kelly. I don't want to trade Jared Kelly for like an eighth inning guy, <laughs> you know, but you know, like some of your guys at Charlotte, like, I think that's part of the reason why it's promising that Gavin Sheets has been good. And you know, if you could get anything out of Blake Rutherford, like guys like that should be totally expendable or like a job, like I'm good with trading Jonathan Stever. If that's like what it takes to get something, you know, I think part of the reason with the, it's going to be tough to trade is because those prep guys just haven't pitched enough. I don't know how much value they have. So you don't want to sell low either. Sorry, Herb. You know, uh, James mentioned Jonathan Stever, and I wanted to ask you about him. He was on my mm-hmm. list. What, what did he not do that he typically does well? You know, you blinked, you, you missed him here in his short outing a, a couple weeks back. But what does he need to do to sort of get back in the in the good graces and be able to pitch a little bit more effectively at the major league level? So I just like don't think he's ready. Like he threw, he pitched in Winston Salem before and he was he was pretty good he didn't throw strikes in the major leagues and his off-speed stuff didn't look as good as it was ever advertised as or as it looked in the you know he looked literally like a guy that knew he wasn't ready and he was amped up and just was bad like he threw for charlotte uh last night and he threw like three and a third and he was fine you know but i don't know like to me that's that's a guy that's you know used in a trade package probably i just like don't think he's a starter in this White Sox rotation, like while they're good, you know, like over the next couple of years, he's definitely a big league starter, but he could be starting for Pittsburgh and, 
getting 30 starts. Is that why they kind of like fast tracked him a bit to sort of be a, 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 a part of a package deal situation? Like I thought it was odd, like all the other guys that they have available, all of a sudden it was Jonathan Stever up last year from, from a ball to, to make a start. Do you think that's probably what their you know idea is for him is to sort of put him at the package for, with someone else? Yeah, and I speculated that that was part of it because he it's not like he like a lot of times they'll add guys to the 40 that need to be added to the 40 for like rule five or whatever in December. And he wasn't like that. He's like way far away from that. So, yeah, they're like burning a 40 man spot on a guy that's not ready to do spot starts. It was like a little bit strange. Like I was wondering if he was like involved in the Texas talks, maybe. And then, like, you know, they ended up relenting and giving up Dane Dunning instead or whatever. But it's quite a yeah, jump. <laughs> like, yeah. But I mean, like, it was just it was weird, like that he even started last year. And I know last year was strange. Yeah. Um, but I didn't expect to see him. Coming up after a quick timeout, we'll ask James about the White Sox drafts of late, the lack of position player talent, pretty remarkable or unremarkable, and uh, I'll ask him to put his GM hat on. If he's going to make a deal with Rick Hahn to get some help here at the Major League level, who are some guys that Major League scouts are going to be eyeballing in the White Sox system? That's next here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you today by Bet Online. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's in the rearview mirror. But the NBA and the NHL are in full swing, along with baseball. You can bet on baseball every night if you'd like at betonline.ag. As a matter of fact, they even have award show props, TV show props, and reality TV show prop bets for you to indulge in even when you're not watching sports. And best of all, the odds are updated in real time on almost anything you can imagine. Maybe you're like me and you don't like to bet on baseball. Maybe you follow the markets and you want to place a bet on how the Dow is going to perform. You can do that at betonline.ag. You can bet on the New York Lottery on betonline.ag. They've got everything, even pro wrestling. Monday Night Raw has prop bets at betonline.ag. They've got you covered on all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to sign up to place your bets. And best of all, friends, it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget our promo code when you sign up. Our promo code is locked on. That's locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. I want to talk about, you know, the White Sox. I think um, they're having success lately with position players that they drafted and then cultivated and then uh, developed in the minor leagues, and now they're coming up to the majors. Tim Anderson's one of those. Nick Madrigal, if he ever plays, Andrew Vaughn. I want to talk about a guy that you were just talking about Birmingham where it's Gavin Sheets and the kudos coming out of spring training. Tony LaRusso loves him. Everybody was like, man, this guy, I want to be his agent. That's what Tony said. Where did this come from? A guy was a second round pick, I believe, in 2016 or 17. And now it seems like he's going to be on the major league roster sooner than later. What happened with Gavin Sheets? Did the White Sox do something different with his swing or just the maturation? He's now 25 instead of being 21 out of uh, uh, Wake Forest. So he did make some swing changes. He's one of the, he's another one of these guys that like hated striking out like in the low minors and, but he wasn't hitting for power and he's got to understand like, dude, like, you know, the strikeouts aren't that big a deal. As long as like, if he doesn't hit for power, like he's not playing in the big leagues, but he was, he was always considered kind of first base only. And then he like changed his body a little bit. Now he's, he started in right field the last three days. And I don't think it's an accident because, you know, like they're, I mean, if they're going to play Vaughn in the outfield, Sheets can probably play out there too. 
So do you want to play them both out there at the same time? Not really, but they, you know, they might have to. And if he can hit, I mean, that's left-handed power that they don't have. Um, He is a, you know, he's a high on base guy. I just thought, you know, him being functional in the outfield changes his profile tremendously because if that dude's first base only, there's no spot for him. But if he's passable in a corner, I think you're right. Like, I think I would not be surprised if we see him and definitely if anybody else gets hurt, like we're probably going to see him because he was going to play first in the opener on Tuesday. And then all of a sudden he was in right field the last three days and stuff like that is, you know, interesting. They do stuff like that. Cause I'm sure Tony, you know, is up asking for players, right. And nobody's trading players in May. So, you know, you saw Brian, we'll probably see Brian Goodwin at some point here. Like that, that's, that's what you're dealing with right now until mm-hmm. teams decide that they're sellers. So if you had to handicap it out of all these, you know, the glut of outfield prospects, you know, your Gavin Sheets, Blake Rutherford, I know the, the Goodwin thing is probably more of a of a fast track than any of the other guys, but if you had to handicap it, which one of these guys that are sort of all jammed up, we talk about it every time we have you on with these outfield prospects, which guy do you think has the best opportunity to see some big league action here in 2021? I would say Sheets now, and that's not what I probably would have said before. I mean, Luis Gonzalez is... I think capable, but I don't think he's a regular, not on a, not on a team trying to win a title. I think Luis Gonzalez is a big leaguer. Um, What's his deal? Is he like more high upside glove or why, why, what was so alluring about having him up here uh, uh, last week? Yeah. So I just think he's like a tweener because I don't like, I think he can play center, but he's never going to play center here, obviously. And I don't know if he has enough power for a corner. So like he can hit, he's just like another one of these guys with a hit tool that doesn't that doesn't strike out, but he also doesn't really have the bat for a corner. Blake Rutherford's been dealing with the same stuff. Like if Blake Rutherford's a corner guy, he's got to hit for power at some point, and he doesn't really do that. So Sheets does that, um, and I, I, you know, I haven't seen him enough defensively to say how good he is in left, but reports were promising from outside scouts that he's at least like like he could stand out there which you know left field basically for the white Sox, you just have to stand out there without getting hurt so that's like an improvement on what we had before i was wondering um i remember a couple of years ago that todd steerson got hired as the uh, hitting coordinator and then he had his system go filter through the whole minor league system i was wondering if that's the same thing with Ethan Katz. He got hired as the pitching coach. Is he and his philosophy going all the way down the system and they have to run through what Ethan Katz wants to do? Or is it somebody else? Is it like Kirk Hassler or somebody else who's running uh, minor league pitching? Yeah. So it's, you know, Matt Zaleski's the pitching coach at Charlotte. He's like been pretty good everywhere he's been. And then Everett Tiford's their pitching coordinator. I kind of think like they didn't hire cats for this reason, but they hired a guy that's similar to those other guys. Like they've been pumping out pitchers in the minor leagues. Like when you saw Matt Foster come up mm-hmm. last year, that was, a, that was unexpected to us. Like we, Matt Foster is a 20th rounder out of Alabama. And all of a sudden he had a plus changeup. you know, Cody Hoyer. There were like whispers that Hoyer might be good in a relief role, but we didn't expect like eighth inning guy in his second year. So they really implemented some of that, like, throwing the high fastball and tunneling your breaking stuff off of it, like in the minors. Now, whether Coop was like doing it, you know, who knows? Like I think Coop was still doing his stuff once they got there, but they were pumping out pitchers for that reason. So I think those guys are very similar to cats. And there was even some talk this off season, you know, like Han mentioned like, Oh, we have internal candidates too. Like I was hoping that they would go external with a guy like cat. So you could keep your minor league guys where they are. Cause 
you know, you can almost argue that it's more important to keep those guys where they are and you can't keep them forever, but you know, for right now, I think it's good. And I, you know, uh, the Matt Zaleski was in Winston and then he was in Birmingham and now he's in Charlotte. So all those guys are going to come through Charlotte and they were both, they were all the alternate site last year. They got their hands on crochet right away. And then crochet went like right to the big leagues. So that's one thing that they did well for a long time under Cooper that I expect to continue, like the success on the pitching side. And Danny Farquhar, also a coach at High A Winston-Salem. Farquhar, you guys remember, obviously, he had the health issues when he was with the White Sox, but famously he brought over the concept of the uh, high fastball to Lucas Giolito, the sort of the the fastball that that uh, appears to you know not drop at all. And you know he, he got to talking to Lucas Giolito about that, and all of a sudden next year he was moved into a coaching role. So maybe you see that as as a guy who could possibly move up as these guys develop and you get you, these guys grow a little bit older and they go from level to level. But Danny Farquhar has always been a name that uh, has fascinated me in that regard as far as pitching. Coaching coaches go um, but as far as you know we, we've talked already about the manager a couple times and if you're looking at 2022 and beyond and you know I, I keep going back to this managerial search this offseason or lack thereof and AJ Hinch was certainly not a, a perfect hire by any means and we had people on here talk about Sandy Alomar and why he wasn't a slam dunk but the Sox have some some options here in the lower levels you know we've been hearing about Justin Gershell for years now he's at uh, Birmingham now and you know you've got uh, Jim Leland's son Pat is at Kannapolis so are there any future managerial prospects here that you would say that you could you know right now like yeah that that guy might be a good fit uh, with some of these young guys on the White Sox roster I mean Justin Churchley is the guy that you know was always kind of talked about like I you know that that wasn't a move that I thought that they were going to make this year. But I mean, if they're grooming somebody, it it could be him. I mean, his dad was a big league coach for a long time. Um, I don't really know much about Leland. Like he was in their system, I think, for like a year and a half, and then now he's like starting his coaching career. <laughs> yeah, obviously. got the right last name, but you know, I think like there's a ton of guys on Larusa's staff right now too who you would think like are maybe like Miguel Cairo or even Shelly Duncan. Like is one of them the next guy? I don't know. I know they did. They had like a lot of interest in Willie Harris this off season. He was, you they, know, they, like, yeah, was, was they did him the wrong. Yeah. They, that was After like Tony wanted it, but yeah, that was kind of messed up the way they so, did him. You know, but <laughs> I was told that that, you know, that wasn't like a total like right. bull, bullshit interview, but sure, I mean, it, yeah. you know, it, 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 it ended up being done. that way. It ended up yeah, appearing it, it that way. Done. But well, yeah. so like I wrote an article for Southside Sox cause I had some Intel on like some of the guys that they were like planning to interview. And then I looked like a moron and like, it's like, no, they, they had a list. They just, they just couldn't interview any of them. Reinsdorf will do that to you. That, that'll yeah, happen. So, yeah. I was wondering too, if we're talking about managers, I mean, I know that he doesn't, you know, uh, he's not in the white sex system anymore. And for reasons of domestic violence and uh, accusations there, we had Omar Vizquel like being a hot candidate a couple years ago and then just went away. I know some of that is the domestic abuse, but was there anything else that the White Sox saw? And then they're like, no, we're good. Yeah. So I've talked about this some like, and I don't know if this was like gets that like did this. So when he was in Birmingham, like it sounded like Omar Vizquel cared more about Omar Vizquel than he did about, you know, like player development. Like there was guy Gavin Sheets was there. Zach Collins was there and they were platooning Zach Collins, like in double a mm. and they're, 
you know, they're stealing paces and they're bunting and they're, you know, so I think steel Walker was one too. Like he didn't bat steel Walker against lefties. It's like, come on, man. Like, like Zach Collins, ideal role in the big leagues. If there is one, you know, he only faces righties, but in the minors, you got to face everybody. I mean, that's like, he was the 10th overall pick of the country. So some of that stuff, like, you know, he just, he wasn't in it for the team. He was in it, I think, because he thought if he had success with Birmingham, like somebody would hire him in the big leagues and then he'd be closer to a managerial job. And then obviously like now he's coaching in the Mexican league. So, you know, some of that, that probably has more to do with the domestic abuse stuff, I would think. Um, but yeah, they weren't like the white Sox like didn't have much great to say like about him, like on his way out. And that was very like quiet. It was like, yeah, he doesn't work here anymore type thing. But you know, the players all really liked Omar though. Yeah, um, I remember he would he would draw the uh, the on the lineup cards, right? Like you know, yeah. Dylan Cease was a big World War II buff, so he'd draw mm-hmm. like you know uh, planes and stuff like that on the lineup card. It was kind of an eccentric type of guy. Um, last one for me here. Um, I'm going to ask you to put your 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 GM hat on. We'll circle back to uh, the the prospect talk here in terms of a trade. You know, let's just use for an example. You know, a Chris Bryant type, so someone who's going to be a rental. You know, which guys in the White Sox system that are not obviously Jared Kelly or anyone on the current big league roster, if you're a GM looking to strike a deal with Rick Hahn, who are some intriguing names here that we don't talk about often that you look at and you're like, you know what, that guy would be a high ceiling guy that I would love to take a chance on. And we talked about how there's this this lack of what general managers seem to want nowadays, which is the high upside shortstop the you know the high school shortstop and we know the White Sox draft philosophy has been anything but taking those guys so who are some guys that you would look at if you were an opposing GM that would intrigue you uh to strike a deal with Rick Hahn so you know we have a writer right now covering Kannapolis and one of the things I'm going to ask him is like how many scouts he's seen there just because like that's the that's where everybody should be and I think it's a little tough to make a deal only because the guys haven't played, right? But, like, the guys you're looking for are down there. Brian Ramos, a Cuban third baseman, I think will be a top-10 prospect in their system, like, very soon. Um, he's only 19 years old in Kannapolis. He never even played in the Dominican Summer League. He came right stateside, held his own in rookie ball as a 17-year-old. Um, you know, Benjamin Bailey, everybody everybody knows. Like, we, you know, we need to see him play somebody real. He played in the Dominican Summer League, and he had, like, a 460 on base percentage, and they don't throw strikes down there. So, like, I think he's interesting. And then Jose Rodriguez is really interesting, too. Middle infielder. All he does is hit. All he's ever done is hit. It's a super aggressive, like, approach, though. So, like, there's been some scouts that have worried that he, you know, he's um, just swings like crazy. And uh, he doesn't look like uh, your favorite Juan Uribe. Juan Uribe. He just does nothing but but swing. But but he's hit so far everywhere, and I think he's got four or five hits already this year. So that team, and then the pitching that's down there, Matthew Thompson, Andrew Dahlquist were second and third round prep picks the last couple of years. Um, I just think that, you know, if you're looking for something right now, I don't know how much value those guys have. But a year from now, like Matthew Thompson and Jose Rodriguez and one of your – hitters from triple a like might get you something pretty nice i just think the timeline has kind of destroyed their trade talks because the guys that i think have the most value just like haven't played against other teams very much um but that's what i that's what i think other teams targets the the lower guys in kannapolis unless they love like jonathan stever or whoever else that would be expendable 
James, last thing I got for you is, is there a guy or guys that you think will have breakout seasons in the minor leagues this year where they were ready to go in 2019 and they're about to ascend and then 2020 happened with the COVID? Is there a guy or guys that you know that are like, okay, this guy will have a breakout season and we'll be talking about and it'll be on the radar next year? Yeah, so I still like Bryce Bush like a lot. Um, it's like really like a lot of bat speed. He homered the other night in Winston-Salem. Um, if that guy, so he was hurt a ton. Like if that guy's healthy, I think he's, I think he's pretty good. Like high schoolers that, you know, forego college to sign for what he signed for, like usually have a purpose. And um, so I think he's the guy like on the position player side. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned Jose Rodriguez, like I, if he keeps hitting like this, like regardless of his approach, like he's going to be a name like that too. And then somebody that everybody's heard of, um, I think Jimmy Lambert's going to help a big league team. Okay, like, I a, wanted to ask you about like, Jimmy. What yeah, happened like, there? He All of a sudden, he went from a guy that Tony was talking about on the first day of camp to yeah. being another guy that's, you know, persona non grata here. What happened with Jimmy Lambert over the last, you know, couple months? Okay, so even, like, dating back before that, obviously, like, he had Tommy John, and then he broke last year with the team and looked awesome and got hurt again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then he was in spring training. I just heard that they slow played him, like, a ton we didn't really know where he was. He wasn't at the alternate site in Schaumburg. And I had heard it's because he was in Arizona, like ramping up because they envision him. Like he's starting for Charlotte, but I think they look at him as like what Kopech's doing, but in the big leagues in the second half, basically. Right. So if Kopech, I think we all kind of think is going to start at some point, maybe even this year, like Lambert's that multi-inning like bullpen. Cause he's like 24 or 25 too. So there's really no reason to leave him down. Um, if he can help you, but he's on like a super strict innings limit too. And I don't have any solid numbers on how many, in- like that's the, co- the golden Kopech question I think is like, how many innings is it? Then I'll tell you what he's going to do this year. Right? Like if it's a hundred, like if it's 120, that's why he's not starting. It's because they don't want the Steven Strasburg thing to happen to him. So, and Lambert's not Kopech obviously, but it's the same thing. I don't know what the innings limit is. Um, but I do think like he ends the year, in Chicago. And I think he's a guy that doesn't get talked about enough. And that's, you know, partly on, you know, we rank him like 14, 15, cause we didn't know if they were going to keep starting him or if they like saw him in the bullpen after last year, but yeah, it sounds like he's going to be a starter and he's always had like pretty good stuff. And, you know, he really took to the white Sox development program, like changed into kind of what Giolito and Cease have done where he's throwing the high four seamer and, tunneling like breaking balls off of it so that's a guy that's interesting and he's at charlotte so he could and he's on the 40 man so he could literally be in the big leagues whenever it's just like Mm -hmm. whenever they decide to do it james it's great stuff today here we appreciate you coming on he's a senior editor at future Sox, co-host of the future Sox podcast follow him on twitter at james fox 917 you can also follow his great writing at Southside Sox. james appreciate it man hey thanks for having me on guys we'll come back and preview the weekend series with the royals next here on locked on white Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Quick health update here from yours truly. Uh, Last time we touched base, I was down about eight pounds due to my new training and health regimen where I've given up a lot of the sugary treats that I used to enjoy and I've replaced them with Built Bars. And I'm down from eight pounds down, down to 11 pounds here on my fitness journey since February. So I'm very pleased at the success I've been having and it's all thanks 
to Built Bar. And granted, it's not only Built Bar. Built Bar doesn't make you lose weight. But what it does is it gives you a high-protein snack with less calories. And if you're a chocoholic like I am, they're perfect because they are always covered in 100% chocolate. And I ordered my latest batch. It came in the mail last week. Herb ordered some for the office. And that's come in so clutch for us at work and at home. As a matter of fact, do what I did. Sign up for the Built Bar email blast and they'll tell you when one of your favorite flavors returns. For example, tonight I got an email about how coconut brownie chunk returned. It was one of my favorite flavors. They sent me a a box of them just to try them out. And by the time I went to order them a couple months back, they were already sold out. So Built Bar sent me an email, said, hey, better get them before they're gone. And that's what I did. I went to Built Bar's website and ordered up 18 of the coconut brownie chunk. They are so delicious. A whopping 15 grams of protein and only 150 calories with just seven grams of sugar. Uh, Part of my latest batch that I ordered as well, Cherry Barcia, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, a new one that I've tried. I thought it would be too heavy. It's not. It's 180 calories, and check this out, a whopping 19 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar. To me, it doesn't get much better than that. Satisfies the sweet craving and keeps you full, keeps you energized, and keeps you held down until your next meal. Go to BuiltBar.com today and use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Fun chat there with James Fox. Very insightful. And uh, hopefully we see some of these names, whether it's uh, on the field for the Sox in 2021 or part of a trade package. Because right now they could certainly use the help. But uh, that's all we got tonight, Herb. And uh, big series coming up against the Royals this weekend, man. Yeah, I need that. We need those uh, at least two out of three from the Royals. I think the White Sox, Indians, and Royals are all tied for first place right now in the Central. So winning versus the Royals is very key. Show them that we're the real team in the league, and this hot start by the Royals is garbage. And we want to see some of those prospects up because I'm tired of seeing Billy Hamilton. I'm tired of seeing Jake Lamb. I would rather see some young players getting some some tick here with the Major League Club than some old veterans who still suck. So for Chris Tannehill. You can follow him at Chris. Oh, uh, hang on though. Let's talk about the pitching matchups real quick. Uh, oh, in this Kansas delicious. City series. So, I, I, uh, I like t- Friday. tonight 7-10 mm-hmm. start. Carlos Rodon on the bump for the Sox with his 0.72 earner on average, pretty good against Brad Keller. And now the Sox have Tim Anderson in the lineup to go against the Royals and Brad Keller, who's two and three with a uh, above 8 earner on average. So that that should be a good one there for the Sox on Friday. Uh, looking forward to that and uh, you look at Saturday's matchup here. Um, Lance Lynn, two and one with a one eight two, going up against Daniel Lynch, who uh, no record. Let's give him one. Uh, he's got a five seven nine earn run average for the Royals, and on Sunday the White Sox will wrap it up on the mound, going for them. Lucas Giolito, uh, one and three with a four nine nine against Mike Miner, two and one with a five two three. So 
Um, so, so two lefties going uh, this weekend, it looks like, against the White Sox. So hopefully that trend can continue and the White Sox can uh, elevate that ball out of the ballpark. I don't know what that weather's going to be like in Kansas City, but uh, hopefully they can get some uh, some splashes in that uh, fountain out there in, in center field. So it uh, should be a fun weekend series and uh, looking forward to recapping it all on Monday. Get your emails in, get your voicemails in, and uh, we'll re- recap it all. And hopefully we won't be talking about Albert Pujols making his White Sox debut. So. That's all I got. Yeah, I think uh, we need a little payback from Mike Miner. I think he's the only lefty in the last couple of years that has actually beat the White Sox. He didn't beat the White Sox, but the White Sox did not win that game when he started. So let's get some uh, revenge on Mike Miner on Sunday going for the sweep. So for Chris Tannehill, at Chris Tannehill, me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23, the show, Locked on Sox, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube, 312-566-8727. The- 